Hey y'all, this is Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two best friends recap romance novels in great detail while giving our enthusiastic commentary. It's week three of hiatus, and I'm not gonna lie, I miss y'all. We've been doing some crossovers with other podcasts, so if you want extra heaving bosoms, check out episode 441 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books, where Aaron and I recap Toxic Desire by the one and only Robin Lovett. And I chatted with the ladies at Make Out Already podcast about Beach Read by Emily Henry. We had a blast recording both of these episodes, and I think you're really going to love them. Of course, we've also been doing new Patreon episodes during hiatus, so there's tons of content waiting for you there, starting at just $5 a month. But this week, we've got a doozy for you. This is one of my favorite episodes in our back catalog. Get ready for nymphs and satyrs and minotaurs and empowering use of the word whore. That's right. It's The Red by Tiffany Rice. The next two books in this universe, The Rose and The Pearl, are also out now. The Pearl, just. So you can dive in right away. Here we go. Oh, hi, Erin. <laughs> hi, Melody. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm pretty wonderful. Can I tell you about Ember's newest skill? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. There was a pause there because Erin was showing me how she was drinking out of her new Bing Boong Bong Heaving Bosoms mug. Bing Boong Bong <laughs> terrific <laughs> birthday presents with Melody. <laughs> Yay. Cheers, as Ember would say. Doesn't it look great? All right, sorry, bing bong bong banter time. Yeah, so Ember's newest skill, he's so good at it, and that is making raspberries. Oh, like the kind? Oh, yeah. He has discovered the art of putting his mouth onto any piece of flesh or leather couch Mm -hmm. and turning it into the most just championship (laughs) fart noise. (laughs) And... He started doing it to like say goodnight. I'll Uh be like, all right, give me kisses. And he'll give me a kiss on the mouth. And then he turns my head and they'll give me a kiss on the cheek. And then he turns my head and he puts a kiss on the other cheek. And then he'll turn, then he'll look at me and he'll go, he'll go, I want to do raspberry. And I'm like, all right, go ahead. So he turns my cheek again and then right just (laughs) attaches his little pleco (laughs) mouth to my cheek and huge raspberries right on my cheek and then does it to the other side too. I love doing raspberries. I think it's hilarious. I do it on David all the time. He hates it. They're so fun. Yeah. My favorite humor is toddler humor. You know what I mean? Like Uh I I don't, I have the perfect playmate right now. He's hilarious. Do you think (laughs) that the word raspberry translates into all the different countries that listen to this? I don't think so. You guys, it's when you put your face on skin and you make a vacuum and you go, like that yeah <laughs> it never gets old it never does it's best to do on stomachs oh That's yeah the best place because it's also tickly uh-huh yeah and he'll present like his feet to me and he'll go raspberry on my peat yeah yeah because it's tickly it's fun yeah 
Are you exhausted from your journey? Because you had a big trip. I went to Chicago. I saw Hamilton. Oh shit! In Chicago with my mom. Yeah, we got like last minute standby tickets. It was great. Um. What else did we do? <gasps> Wedding, dress, shopping. But you guys were there. You Wedding, know that. dress, shopping. Yeah, if you're part of the cult, you got to weigh in on several of the dresses yeah. that Aaron tried on. So there's, so one of those six dresses was like, even remotely, I liked it. <laughs> 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 one of those dresses was, oh, this is the dress. And the other five were like, get this off of me. Mm. Which it's really funny because... The even split of people voting on that in the geriatric friendship cult was hilarious to me. And guys, the one you liked the best was not the one I liked. <laughs> but then there's one I just tried on a lark in Anchorage that I'm I'm worried it could also be a contender. So I'm going to try them both on and see which one it's going to be. But I think it's going to be one of the six pictured in the Whoa. cult. You like the one I tried on in Anchorage though. I liked I liked the other one too. So, uh-huh. I mean, you know, it just it depends on which one you feel like you can spend the whole day in and that mm-hmm. you're going to feel totally beautiful in. And if that's not the one I like a tiny smidgen more than whatever. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. great. Like <laughs> Fair, fair, fair. So I'm not going to tell you guys which one I picked until I pick it. So a lot of people were like, which one did she pick? And the answer is probably not the one you liked because (laughs) not very many people like the one I liked. (laughs) But guys, you just got to see them in person. You guys know that pictures don't do dresses justice. Especially in like those fitting situations because, Mm -hmm. you know, you can never quite get them onto the right part of your body. Like before it's tailored, Mm. it's it's harder. It's hard to see the sparkle and the sheen. It's hard to see the energy that you give off when Mm -hmm. you wear it. And the color even. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that was still really exciting. I'm glad I did it. And you know what? There is a wedding in the book we're going to talk about today. Is there? I mean, in the future, if we got an epilogue. (laughs) Well, isn't that every book? (laughs) We could have said that about Split. What? Don't talk to me like that. Okay. Sorry. You know they got married, the three of them. (laughs) This I found to be like a very appropriate chaser to Split. Actually, it was awesome because this brought up a lot of the issue, like a lot of the things that were uncomfy about mm. Split. But yeah. since it's written good, <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, yeah. it was like not uncomfy. I yeah. loved this book. I did too. This is like I top really, five. Really loved it. Yeah, and it's so deliciously super duper weird. Yeah, and I could feel like when I posted. There was a deal on the red like a couple months back. So I posted like, hey, guys, go out and get it because, um, you know, hint, hint, we're going to eventually read this. Right. And Tiffany Rice commented something to the effect of like, uh, it's not really a romance novel. It's yeah. weird porn. Like, I think she was a little <laughs> worried about us reading this, maybe. She should not have been. She should not have been because this was fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah, it's very up our street. Yes. In very in in odd ways, which I of course I always love. Yes. You know what though? I was thinking about this. This is a romance novel just as much as goddamn Knight in Shining Armor was. Except oh. once again, it was written good. <laughs> and I, I liked the people in it. 
I think it is all the things it has been described as. I believe this to be a romance novel. I believe this to be an erotic fantasy. I yes. believe this to be straight up porn, as yes. Tiffany Rice described it. I think it's all yeah. those things. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So should we just dive right in? Yes. Excellent. Okay. All right. So we have Mona. Her name is Mona Lisa St. James. And the novel opens up. She is balancing the books for the art gallery that she owns called The Red. That she's inherited from her mother. Yes. She's inherited from her mother. um, And her mother recently passed away from, I think, cancer. Um, Something slow because she makes the comment of like if her mom had a quick death, she may have been able to be in the green with the red. Um, But instead, because green, black, the black, black? it's black. Yeah. Oh, if you're in the black, then you've got some monies. If you're in the red, then you're in debt. (laughs) When you do supplies in the army, it's green, black and red. And green means you've got a lot of stuff. (laughs) I think that green makes sense because you got those dollar dollar bills, you know, right? So Mona Lisa St. James is balancing the books and she's like, you know what? I finally have to come to terms with the fact that I have to close down the gallery. I made a deathbed promise to my mom that I would do whatever I could possibly figure out on this earth or anywhere else to keep the red open, but it's just not feasible. And so she looks at at Tutu, her her beautiful Mm -hmm. gallery cat that her her mom picked up as a stray a while ago and she's like two two it's over but i'll take you to my house and you'll live with me forever hipsters like going to art galleries but they don't like buying shit so art galleries are no longer yeah oh also the first time i read this book i thought it was set in new orleans the second time i read this book i thought it was set in new york i still don't know Oh, I thought it was New York. Probably. I don't know why my brain thought it was New Orleans. I think it's because it's my favorite city. I don't know. Anyway, it would make sense if it was in New York. So she goes out. She leaves her office and she goes out into the main area. And all of a sudden, there is a man in a three-piece suit standing there staring at this painting that's pretty worthless it's worth like a couple of thousand dollars and it's pretty Mm -hmm. mundane Mm -hmm. and they she's like sir we're closed and he's like well i heard you're closing you're in the red and she goes yes so are you so so we are closed and the gallery is called the red like they sort of have a who's on first conversation Mm -hmm. what i thought was adorable (laughs) Uh would you like to know what he looked like Yes, please read it. Because he was tall and broad-shouldered and wore a three-piece black suit. He had one hand on his hip, one hand on his chin. Although his clothes were modern and he looked about 40 years old, there was something about him that looked old. No, not old. Old world, perhaps. Yes, that. Old world. She could think of no other way to describe him, but it was the hair. That was it. He wore his hair in a style that would have best belonged to a Regency-era lord. Black and tousled, rakish even. He reminded her of Eugene Delacroix's dashing portraits. Dark eyes, black heart. To Mona, he looked like the devil gone courting. (laughs) 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 So they do this who's on first conversation. And eventually he... He tells her to check out the painting. Yeah. He's like, I really think that you should have this looked at. Don't you have a machine that can see underneath it? And she's like, well, yeah, there are x-ray machines and stuff, but uh. 
It's sort of expensive and I don't have one. And he's like, do that and I will come back next week. Right. So instead of one painter, it's actually the other painter. She starts kind of, there's a little chip and she chips it away on the signature and she realizes there's a different signature under it. And I don't know a lot about art history, guys, but the guy who was the older painter's like protege painted over one of his paintings and the old painter was like way more famous and good. Yeah, Joshua Reynolds. Sure. So they restore this thing back to the original and find a totally new painting of this more famous artist. That's yeah, and it's way it's more like five mil. Yeah, and now she's in all the newspapers and everything because of this incredible discovery. So he shows back up and he's like, "Hey, so you did your due diligence and I came mm-hmm. through, right?" And she's like, "Yeah, I mean, if you want the finder's fee." They're, yeah. they're giving me 50K for finding it, and I didn't find it, so you can have it. And he's like, actually, I want you to put it toward the gallery because I want to help you save your mother's gallery. This is where he starts getting a little cryptic, though, because yes. he says, I would like to be even more generous with you. And she's yes. like, why? And he says, I have my reasons, and they are very good reasons, but you wouldn't understand them, not yet. But eventually, I will reveal all to you if you agree to let me help you. So, like, he's magic. Like, I'm pretty certain he's some kind of magic. Like, he's a vampire magic or he's a devil magic. Right. (laughs) Some kind of magic. I don't know who he sold his soul to, but somebody has it and it's not him. Yeah. And meanwhile, you guys, if you were thinking that I want to be very generous with you is a double entendre, you are correct. Uh Uh-huh. Because he would like to be generous in so many ways. So (laughs) she says, I'm half a million in debt. I don't think anyone can help me. He says, I've given you no reason to doubt me. She says, what is it you want from me? He says, may I be blunt with you? Yeah, be blunt, be blunt. I prefer it. (laughs) He says, I very much wish to fuck you. Yes. And so begins. What a wonderfully blunt book. Okay. (laughs) So So he's like, oh, too blunt. And she's like, nope, nope, nope. Nope. So he's like, why don't we adjourn to your office where business is discussed? We wouldn't want it to get jealous of us, would we? You guys, their banter is just outstanding. Yeah. He tells her he's super into, like, very fancy, elegant prostitutes and would like to uh-huh. make her a super fancy, elegant prostitute. She uses the word prostitute. He's like, I prefer to call them whores. Yeah. And he's uh, like, and and unlike fucking Split, I didn't mind a single time he said the word whore because no. he did not do it in a derogatory manner. It wasn't a pejorative when it came out of his mouth. Right. It, and it in was, fact, he said it with reverence. Like, oh, so much reverence. Like he, he just wanted to worship much, at her whore yeah. altar. Mm-hmm. He oh. talks about how much he respects whores because they know what they're worth. Yeah, what they have and what they're worth. Mm-hmm. And he said he can't respect any woman that gives it away for free yeah. when she could be paid so much dollar bills for it. Uh-huh. And um he talks uh. about how, you know, he, he really likes the word cunt, throws it around Loves often. It. He Which I do too. Reclaim how, cunt. Reclaim woo, cunt. How that is an organ of the body, but so is the brain. So whether I use you for your brain or your cunt, what does it matter? She's, yes. she's like, yeah, I'm getting this logic that you're throwing down. She's uh-huh. into it. I am also into it. 
So then she's like, hey, P.S., you could have seduced me for free. It basically gives her an opportunity to tell him how devilishly handsome he is Mm -hmm. because she never thought that she could use the phrase devilishly handsome in any kind of uh, appropriate way. But boy, does it suit him. Mm -hmm. So then he's like, basically the terms he wants to owe. So one thing... She gets a little haughty later on in the book. She gets a little upset about some things, which we Mm -hmm. will absolutely dive into. But his thing is, I'm going to save your gallery. I'm going to pay you. I'm going to, like, the terms he lays out are one year, once every one or two months. Mm -hmm. It'll be a long night that we spend together, but it's only going to be once every one or two months. And carte blanche. Yeah. And she's like, well, that sounds a little scary, actually. He goes, I completely understand why it would. Mm -hmm. I will not maim you. I will not hurt you, like, in any kind of permanent way. Um, Specifically, he says, will there be bites? Of course. Bruises, (laughs) undoubtedly. One can hardly kiss a girl as pale as you without leaving a mark. Will I make you bleed? Probably not, but it's happened before. But I won't pull out your fingernails or submit you to water torture. If you genuinely thought I wanted to do you real harm, I wouldn't be in this office negotiating with you, would I? Mm. So it's just complete, like, blank slate. She has no idea what's coming. Yeah. And they talk a little bit about she's 25 years old and he's like, it's what is she? He says, like, young enough to be reckless and old enough to know old enough to know better, but young enough to do it anyway. And I think that is exactly what 25 years old is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. But I will say, bing, boom, bong. Safe sex work with Melody. Oh, my God. (laughs) Just carte blanche for an entire year is maybe something you really want to think about upon first meeting another human. Sure. Uh, there can be contracts. You are fully entitled to draw up actual contracts. You sure. are fully entitled to get into very, very specific acts, very, very specific toys. Whether or not you're into breath play, I feel like would have been an appropriate topic to bring up at this point. Because as we've covered in the last two episodes, strangulation is maybe not something to fuck around with unless you're with a really really knowledgeable partner never so also or never if that's not your thing if it is your thing i'm not here to judge if it is your thing it's very dangerous and please try to find a way to make it not your thing because it's very dangerous just be the most careful ever here's the thing (laughs) this book is so (laughs) off the chain crazy out of this world yeah i don't mind carte blanche like it no no, because it's whatever I would much prefer a book like this that's just like whatever is going to happen and this is like a crazy, super bonkers fantasy than my BDSM novels with a with a contract where everything's a hard limit. Dear God, Fifty Shades no, of Grey. I, I totally I hear that. much prefer this to what are butt plugs y- in yes. my BDSM erotica. <laughs> obviously, obviously. However... I am just saying that this was one of the only times where she got pissed off about something he may or may not have done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, did you or did you not say carte blanche? Well, I did it. But because yeah, but that's true. She but had like, no reason to be upset. That's what she agreed to. When you agree to <laughs> carte blanche with a human, you don't think you're going to get fucked by a minotaur. I mean... I am not. I don't Sorry, think you're wrong. Bing bong, but boom that's, bong. That's spoilers <laughs> with Aaron. She's about to get <laughs> fucked by a minotaur, and that's not even you don't you don't put magic into the equation. When no, you, when no, you no, 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 no. 
But no, stop it, Erin. That's not what she's upset about. What she's upset about is that she thinks he may have put something in her wine to drug her into hallucinating. And to that, I say, did you or did you not agree to carte blanche? True. (laughs) That is true. Okay. You made the agreement. Okay. So he's going to give her how much millions of dollars or something? Half a million dollars? This is my other thing. This Um, is my other thing. He has come through with the Moreland, right? This, this, um, sorry, this Joshua Reynolds situation and gotten her 50K. Uh-huh. And then he's like, I'm going to pay you in the, the currency of your trade. I'll pay you in art. Yes. And she's like, oh, okay. Well, are you going to supply provenance? And he's like, absolutely. I will supply provenance upon the end of the year. So what she has agreed to is carte blanche with, well, she doesn't know this, with a magical being. Uh-huh. And she's done so taking sort of prepayment in kind, but that mm-hmm. she actually cannot cash until the year is up. Mm-hmm. So she has not agreed to being paid for each sex act. She has agreed to being paid by the end of the year, which is there. another bonkers town decision that I don't understand, but yes. which is fine. I totally like I, I was there. But I'm just saying, these are the things that this lady has sat across a mahogany desk and been like, I am an excellent businesswoman. Yeah. Bing, boom, bong. Nice. Do your fucking job with Melody. <laughs> she is doing her job. Her job no! is now a whore and she's going to do it great. Okay. That's right. But you usually get paid each time. <laughs> she did get paid each time and she had it appraised. So she knows. Yeah, but that means roughly nothing without any. Yeah. And. And every time, <laughs> sorry guys, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but every time she gets a new payment, it's only worth like 50 or 60K without the provenance. So I would sit there and do the math and be like, oh, I think I'm getting fucked for almost free. I don't know. <laughs> I um just didn't have any problems with nope. any of this because I, it was full these of magic. Are not problems. During this conversation, he straight up hints that he like knows the devil personally. Um, like if this guy were yeah. in my art my art gallery, I would be like, he's magic. He's all magic. I'm 100 percent sure that he is magic. <laughs> so they agree to it, and he's like, tomorrow night, let's do it. And she's like, whoa, 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 tomorrow night. Yeah, and he goes, I'm sorry. Does your cunt have a prior engagement? <laughs> <laughs> So she's like, all right, so we're going to do this here because she has this brass bed that she also inherited from her mother sitting in the back room with like the erotic paintings, basically. Mm -hmm. And her mom was a teller of tall tales. She liked to say the gallery was named that way because it used to be a speakeasy and Mm -hmm. so many gangsters were killed there that it was called the Little Red Shooting Gallery or something Mm -hmm. like that. And so then that's obviously not true. But her mom also told her that the bed was owned by a courtesan before her and she bought it at auction. And so Mona doesn't think that that's true, but she also cannot part with it because it's one of the things that she loved about her mom and it's a really tangible way to remember that. So and she thinks about if her mom would approve of her whoring herself out ooh. to save the gallery. And the more she thinks about it, she's like, yeah, my mom would certainly yeah. be down with this. Absolutely. She was very into these erotic paintings. She favored beauty over truth. She would she would definitely love this deal. Yeah. So he's like, all right, this is how we're going to do this. He takes down a book of old paintings. Mm-hmm. And... He flips to a page called Olympia, 
by I think Mame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could be Mamet. I don't know. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I just imagined David Mamet like <laughs> in Fair. a past life. Okay. So it's this teenage woman and she is on a bed and she it it was a painting that like took the art world by storm when it was done because she's not looking demurely down at the ground. She's not shying away. She's not being an object. She's looking directly at the viewer in kind of this irreverent, like, what the fuck do you want kind of way? Mm -hmm. Just like, yes, this is who I am. This is what I do kind of situation. So he's like, I want to, I want you to wait for me thusly, he says. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she goes out and gets a velvet choker. She gets a wax because in the painting, she didn't have any body hair. Yeah. Oh, she gets new bedding for the bed because it was Mm -hmm. white. She basically recreates this painting. Yeah. And then um, he shows up the stroke of midnight, right? Yeah. But she spends, she spends a while naked on the bed, amping herself up for this experience that she's going to have. She starts to think, like, would he be mad if I were, like, already getting ready for him when he gets here? And she's like, well, no one's ever been like, aw, you got wet too fast. She's like, kind of, you know, touching herself. And then, yeah, he appears, stroke of midnight. Oh, hey, HBs. I don't know if you've heard, but we have a Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you get over 150 bonus episodes, most of which include Aaron, videos of regular episodes, author hangouts, and so much more. Do you want to hear Aaron and I recap every single episode of Crash Landing on You? What about a little film called Psycho Stripper? Do you want more recaps of ridiculous Thanksgiving and other holiday books and movies? And how do you feel about Naima Simone and I recapping amazing reality TV? All of that and more is on the Patreon. There's so much content at your fingertips as soon as you sign up. Seriously, hours and hours. Anyway, it's patreon.com forward slash heaving bosoms podcast if you want to check it out. And of course, that link is in the show notes. Keep being a badass. Oh, boom, boom, boom. All right. So they chat for a little while. He starts undressing um, in front of her and then he sits by the edge of the bed. And what do they talk about? He's very handsome when he undresses. He says that he's pleased with her. Um, He says that they're both going to enjoy it. Um, He's got a huge, huge, huge penis, which she's a little bit nervous about. Yeah. Um, they talk about whores a little bit and Olympia. Um, she's, they talk about why Olympia was provocative. Right. He says a woman with power, a woman who owned her body and wasn't afraid to sell it. That painting is art because it terrified its first viewers. Art should be dangerous. It should say something to society that society doesn't want to hear. Ah. Um, so then. And then he's just like. Start- all oh. right. Yeah, he's yeah. he's like spread your legs. Yep. Show me show me your goods. And she spreads her legs and she's a little taken aback because he just leans down right there and starts um starts putting mm-hmm. his fingers through her folds and going down on her. And she's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, we're not even we're not even kissing. Not even. Cool. Excellent." Yep. Like she's she's liking it though. 
And then mm-hmm. um, as she's just about to come, he uh, pulls her down and gets on top of her and starts uh, starts having penetrative sex with her. And they, I think, come together. Well, he tells her she's never allowed to come without him inside her. That's one of his rules. Yeah, because he wants to feel her clenching around him. So they have penetrative sex for a while. She's really not sure what she's supposed to. Sorry. I was thinking about when she saw his penis. Mm -hmm. Because you mentioned it earlier and I just saw a line. So he goes, you're pleased with me? He asked and she sensed the question wasn't a question at all, a statement of fact. He knew she mm-hmm. was. He simply wanted her to admit it. I am, although I'll take care of everything, he said. I haven't lost a woman to it yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. so good. So they Sorry. have regular sort of missionary penetrative sex. Yeah. This is when it gets a little weird. She comes, I think, whatever. There's many yeah. orgasms we're going to gloss over, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. This is an erotica. He pulls time. back and just starts slapping her breasts. Which oh, is yeah. Like, just like spanking her boobs a little bit. So this is like the first thing that's a little bit, she's like, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and frankly, I don't think there's enough tit slapping in romance novels. You know what I mean? Fair. <laughs> So then she kind of needs a break. So they're going to take a break. My other part is that after, um, so she comes and she felt one muscle in particular, a tight little muscle near her cervix, fluttering wildly as Malcolm filled her with this thick semen. She was getting paid for this. Yeah. <laughs> So good. So they're taking this break. She pours. She pulls out a couple of bottles of water from under the bed, and yeah, she has glass like glass bottles. bottles. Of water. She's trying to be fancy, uh-huh. and that gives him an idea that he's now going to fuck her with a bottle. Yeah. So he asks her to put her legs as pretty much as wide as she can. She's pretty freaked out by this, but unfortunately, it's carte blanche. So here we go. Yeah, and in her internal monologue, she's like, "I agreed to this, and he's paying me." So at, yeah. actually, before he even arrived, she was like, "I mean, he's paying for my body. I guess I don't really even have to enjoy it." Right. And she says that to him too, and he's like, "I don't know what the fuck you're talking about." Well, he's <laughs> like, like, "If you enjoy it, I'm gonna enjoy it." Right. So she's like a little scared about this bottle situation. He says, I once poured wine bottle and all into a pretty whore's cunt and drank it out of her. He said in a low and faraway voice. I love that. Like he's imagining. Yeah. <laughs> he's like Evangeline, a freckled ginger. She was the bastard daughter of a duke. She asked, did she like it? And he's like, yeah, she liked me. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, <laughs> yeah. Well, my, and- so he goes, she liked me. There wasn't anything she wouldn't let me do to her. One evening I played cards with her father and beat him. Yes. I rolled up the money I won from him, slipped it in a bottle and put the bottle in his daughter's cunt that very night. <laughs> when I told her where I'd gotten the money, she laughed so hard the bottle shot out of her and shattered on the floor. <laughs> Coins went everywhere. I nearly pissed myself. What a sight. <laughs> and I said, neat. <laughs> Neat story. (laughs) What a weird... Oh, my God. Also, it's like, bastard daughter of a duke, okay? He's so magical. Uh, We're talking about coins coins involved. Coin money. He's definitely a magical history person. old-timey. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm, She keeps mm -hmm. on... He actually refers to himself as rakish. So, I mean, we're we're getting some clues We're getting some some breadcrumbs. This is necessary. Breadcrumbs. He can't Isn't just every so once in nice? a while think about how he's a magical historical man. <gasps> we get breadcrumbs. Okay. <laughs> so this is this is a long chapter where he does a lot of things to to her with this bottle. But basically, he gets her to a point where she's got the whole bottle 
inside all of it her vagina which is incredible i mean right? a baby has come out of mine and i still don't know how it happens you and know what I mean? like her, i still don't know how her, you like, get a whole bottle in. in there yeah 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 yeah, yeah. she's like doing around things it. with her clit and then she like basically clenches it out like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so this was a lot and then he leaves. Yeah. No, no, no. So then, oh, so then sorry. he gets inside her again oh, and she yeah. comes again. And then she's like, you didn't you didn't come again? And he's like, no, I want to linger in your cunt a while. Mm-hmm. And so she rolls over and she's like, I'm exhausted. Sorry. I have to go to sleep. So she just tosses her knee up uh-huh. so that he has access to her vagina and falls asleep with him like gently rocking into her from behind yep. uh-huh. as she goes to sleep. And then when she wakes up, he's completely gone. Mm-hmm. And there is a rolled up piece of paper in the bottle. I think the bottle that he fucked her with. Yeah. Pretty excited about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's a Degas sketch of a ballerina, of course. Yes. So she's like, I wonder if this ish is real. So mm-hmm. she calls up the local Degas art historian person. You know, it could be New Orleans. Degas is very New Orleans. He lived there. I don't. I don't know. Something about uh, maybe it was just like the red. Like it, I, I remember going into an art gallery in New Orleans that just made me feel like this book mm-hmm. made me think I was in there. I don't mm-hmm. know. If that's why. Doesn't really matter. So. She goes and and this is where she meets Sebastian. Sebastian, very handsome art appraiser who specializes in Degas. Yeah. He tells her for certain that it is an original Degas. He asks her where she got it. Yeah, they have this kind of fun convo. Yeah, and he's like, she's like, oh yeah, I ha- this guy I was, I was sleeping with. And he's like, well, right. you must be some, you know, lay then. Yeah, and she's like, yep. <laughs> yeah, basically. I am. So he goes, I don't know who I envy more, you for having the sketch or him for having you. Mm. Oh, she just kind of demurs away. And then mm. a month later, here we have, oh, Malcolm. That's our hero's name. Did we even say that? Oh, his name is Malcolm. Magical yep. history devil man is named Malcolm. Sorry, That's everyone. Right. Mona and magical Malcolm. Yeah. With the majestic member. Yes. Oh, boy. It's late. So she sees one day a book oh, open. Oh, I'm sorry. To- Gotta do a quick bing, boom, bong. What? Sorry. Here we go. Bing, boom, bong. Get tested with Melody. Oh, God. It's no. a magical fantasy. No, 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 no. I just, this is, uh, yeah. here's the thing. <gasps> she goes to get tested, which is the correct response, right? But. Has she not waited the right number of days? You have to keep getting <laughs> tested because the incubation periods for different diseases are different. You can't have sex one day and then go and say, do I has HIV and get any kind of test results that are accurate. But HIV can take up to six weeks to incubate. Syphilis, I think, is like at least two weeks, whatever. I'm just saying it because it's mentioned in the novel and in practice, it's a great idea to go get tested because she also agreed to carte blanche no condoms with this man she had just met, which cool. She made her choices. Bing, boom, bong, same went over. Bing, boom, bong. Sex with mystical creatures with Aaron. If you are pretty <laughs> sure that the man you are sleeping with is a magical man, 
You don't need condoms or science tests. So, oh boy. HBs, if you're out there and you're like pretty certain your boyfriend is a mythical creature, <laughs> it's good to go. They don't get the same diseases. Don't worry about it. My head just exploded. <laughs> actually, this is a guy who might have syphilis. Like, likely syphilis yes! in this guy, actually. <laughs> when we learn all, yes! Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so, there's a book open to yeah. what is the painting called it's the slave, the slave market. market yeah and yes. it's bookmarked with the choker that she wore when she was olympia so she knows yeah. that Ooh. the next one she's got i'm to fanning myself right now the, the emulate or whatever in the next the emulate, emulate, emulate emulate i can't say it for some reason right market, now um yeah. by jean leon jerome okay and <laughs> so she goes into her back room and the back room has been straight up magically transformed. Or theatrically transformed. Who knows, Erin? Who knows? It's so magical. To her mere mortal brain, it is theatrically because he apparently has limitless funds. He's a super rich dude. Uh-huh. He could have gotten a crew in there to theater up her back room. Nobody knows. Sure. So she goes to go in and all of a sudden she just gets grabbed yeah someone grabs her puts her up onto a like a stage situation and there mm-hmm. are four men oh last time they were together he was like hey i might bring guests sometime yeah there might and be then, other people oh four dudes in masquerade masks uh-huh. here we go plus mouth so on. he starts showing her off like well like you would at a slave market mm-hmm. like the painting so he's like look at this tight little nubile lady i'm so good at this <laughs> and <laughs> can i just say i'm sorry masquerade yeah. masks are so fucking scary if if you walked into a room <laughs> in any circumstance whether somebody's putting their hand over your mouth or not and yeah. all there was was like a wooden box and four men in masquerade masks and your buddy malcolm fucking run if there's a, if you ever enter a sex situation involving masquerade masks i don't care how magical it is get the fuck out of there like it works out fine for mona but like boy were my hackles up because those things are fucking freaky yeah no anything could happen and you're probably getting murdered yeah i mean unless you agree to it beforehand and you, and you know all the players involved none of no, those things no. were the case for mona Once masquerade masks come into the situation <laughs> i feel the same way about masquerade masks as i do about like uh like syringes like i just have a whole body <laughs> reaction to be like that doesn't come into my sex situation no <laughs> wow erin masquerade found a masks. hard limit yeah. <laughs> masquerade is one of my a hard, hard limit that Aaron will cop to <laughs> on, on air. One's in a bl- there's a black one, a gray one, a red one, and you guys and a purple one. Nope, a gold one. What's <laughs> <laughs> a purple one? Oh, no. <laughs> all right, gold one. <laughs> Creepy. Yeah, totally. So okay. they start looking at her, and they're like, "Well," and so then one guy starts palming a boob, and then another mm-hmm. guy hops up, and he's like, "I'm gonna need to test out her pussy." Mm-hmm. So he starts fingering her, and then another guy's like, "Better look at that asshole." Mm-hmm. And they're looking at all her orifices. And meanwhile, I think 
Doesn't Malcolm have a finger in her mouth? Yeah, that's how the painting is. They're checking out the teeth yeah. of this uh, slave auction girl. She's wearing a purple dress. That's where you got confused, by the way. Okay, fair. Yeah, they're kind of like DP in her. They've got, they're looking in her mouth. They're looking at her they're hair. They're digitizing all, all of her places. And they're like, they've got her lifted up. Oh, yeah. They lift her up. Do they hang her on something or put her in some oh, yeah, yeah. harness? They, oh, yeah. yeah. Her arms are above her head. That's what it is. Her arms are tied and yeah. then on a hook. A so hook they lift from the ceiling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they lift her legs up. They're like, they've got her all different positions. And this is all from Mona's perspective. She's into it. Yeah. She is yeah. loving this. <laughs> And I, I love the fact that, like, intellectually, she's like, I feel like I shouldn't like this, mm -hmm. but I love it. Love it. <laughs> and what's great, these guys are, like, kind of singing her praises and being like, oh, well, this one, this is a good boob right here. And Malcolm is, like, playing the salesman. So yeah. They're like talking about her vagine and they're like, oh, it's nice, well formed, tight too. And Malcolm's like, oh, but she can take anything you want to put in there. She's uh -huh. she's really stretchy, guys. You know, like those <laughs> kinds of things. Woof. One of the reasons I love this scene so much, because I did ha I did battle myself a little bit. We texted about it. Mm -hmm. I was like, sometimes I hate myself for loving this so much, but I also don't at all. But one of the things I loved about this scene is just that your politics don't necessarily have to uh, match your bedroom antics. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I loved that you watched her process this, like, I am an independent, strong woman, but I still am super getting off on the idea of being sold to four different dudes and, like, having them mm -hmm. auction. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just thought it was a, a really, really neat thing to watch. So then Malcolm's like, should I take her over to the bench? And I was like, oh, God, there's a sex bench. Um, it is crazy. Bench. It it's, is a serious sex bench. It is a leather stool. And then in the center of it is some kind of leather phallus. It's just she, like this donkey dong. Yeah. Like she's it's a like huge leather phallus. herself on while they yeah. continue to prod her butt, basically. Mm -hmm. So, um, so they put a they put a butt plug in her booty hole while yep. she is going up and down on this um this leather phallus, and then the man in red wins the auction. Right. Um, the man in the red masks. Mm -hmm. and, oh, oh. Malcolm had a goatee when he walked in. So everybody leaves. She can't see anything because she's still impaled on this sex bench. Mm -hmm. And when the man in red comes back, he's all touching up on her and then he lifts her up and takes her over to a wall. And he's he immediately, I think, penetrates having her. having sex with her. Yeah. Yeah. And, so she and starts she starts thinking, wait, I don't want to be having sex with this stranger. I shouldn't be right. having sex with this stranger. I agreed to have sex with Malcolm. With Malcolm. Yeah. And I don't know who this is. I don't yeah. want to be doing this. So she starts pushing him away and she's like, pretty sure she down. comes before this, right? Probably. She comes yeah. a lot, y'all. A lot. So she's like, put <laughs> me down. I don't want to do this. And he's like, no, not yet. And she's like, no, now. And the guy in the red mask says carte blanche. And she's like, that's for Malcolm. And then and he takes he off takes that masquerade off mask, <gasps> and it's Malcolm. He's fucking that magic, you guys. Rogue. But he didn't need to be magic. He just left the room, and then he put on the red mask. So yeah, th this just, one wasn't that magical, but it, it, it magic. still was pretty impressive. Whoa. <laughs> so then he takes her over to the bed, and that's where they have anal for the first time, right? Mm -hmm. This time? I think yeah, so. Yeah, they do some anals. And then that's basically she wakes up the next morning, and he's not there, right? 
I don't remember anything else of note in this sex scene. Mm, I don't think so. Yeah. She calls him the devil and he says, no, the devil wants your soul. I want your body. I really like that line. Yeah. I mean, I didn't hate it. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And so now it comes to my favorite scene. At least I think so. There are so many good ones. She goes to the the desk and a book is laid open to William Adolphe Beauregaro. <laughs> <laughs> this has just been a smorgasbord of pronunciations this oh, podcast boy. so far. Nymphs in the Sater. Four beautifully nearly naked women played on the banks of Halicon, Halcyon Lake. I am the smartest. Yep. <laughs> They'd caught a satyr watching them bathe, and now three of the four water nymphs tried to pull the reluctant man-goat into the lake as the fourth nymph waved for the others to join her at the water's edge. They're gonna do some mythical play. They're gonna do some (laughs) mythical play. You know how much I love a nymph. (laughs) Yes, but you guys, the look on Melody's face is so serious. It is not. It's like, you know how much <laughs> so she goes into her back room ready to go she gets this like toga situation going now she's this wrapped is up straight in up magic yeah this is i don't know how magic. she thinks this is money in theater this is magics yeah she she's not great at believing in magic but the whole back room is like now like outside there's a fountain fountain there's a stream cobblestones yeah there's a throne he actually has goat legs. Yeah. Malcolm's legs are hairy goat legs and his ears are pointy elf ears. And this is a funny little chapter with all these it's adorable. They're very sarcam- sarcastic nymphs. Yeah. And they're goddamn delightful. Yeah. And everybody is there. Like, nobody is jealous. Everybody's like, ooh, the satyr's going to fuck you next. Uh-huh. <laughs> like- <laughs> but it's jokes. It's like, oh, no, yeah. I don't want to be doing this. Like, it's ooh. that kind of stuff. It's really, really funny and cute. Like, one of them has sex with him and says, he got me. She gave a pitiful fake cough like a child trying to get out of school for the day in the heart. Heart? The yellow girl asks, at eyes wide with wonder and concern, is the heart between my legs? <laughs> Pinky <laughs> asks. The girl shook her head. Then that's not where he got me, Pinky said. <laughs> like, it's constantly that sort of stuff. And they're just like so laughing cute. and delirious. So each of the nymphs take turns. Mm-hmm. He like catches them and, and bones them in different ways. And then it comes to her turn. And the three nymphs wash off his junk Mm -hmm. because they're really conscientious like that Mm -hmm. and they wash her off i don't know why they're Mm -hmm. preparing everybody in the fountain yeah their magic fountain Mm -hmm. also mona even after watching all the other nymphs be in on this joke the whole time he says bring her to me she doesn't want to come to you baby blue said Mm -hmm. yeah i do mona said Pinky glared at her. Oh, right, Mona said. No, I don't want to go to him. Anything but that. (laughs) Mona, you've been here the whole time. Come on. Try it. Mona, just yes and this nonsense. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of improv, Mona. Jeez. So she goes down on him, and then they bone. And then the rest of the time, he just chases the the other nymphs around Mm -hmm. and fucks him again. Yeah. 
And it's a lovely, it's an adorable, lighthearted, beautiful little scene. It's a great time. Ah, oh, it's so great. And like a lot of times when one of the girls is is fucking them, the rest are like, they've got a, their arms around each other and they're like, oh, look at that adorableness. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> they're dancing and skipping and giggling. I feel like this scene is like your most magical world. Like. <gasps> <laughs> Like, you know how people do that quiz of like, would you rather live in Harry Potter or Narnia or whatever? Melody would most live in um, chapter whatever this is of The Red by Tiffany Rice. That's (laughs) right. This is the place she would want most. Sign me up for nymphdom. Uh That's what I would like. (laughs) Okay. How about the next chapter? A Portrait of a Gentleman. I don't remember what this one is. Do you not? This is riding crop time. Oh, God. Riding crop time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So so she gets the next art that she gets a couple months later is um, a portrait of a gentleman. So it's a portrait of him. So I think she just dresses. Oh, yeah. She dresses up in the dress that's probably on the cover, I think. The like long red velvety backless Ooh, dress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. He's there. He's got his writing crop ready, and he's ready to beat the shit out of her. The living fuck out of her, you guys. Mm-hmm. He's ready to break her down. I was here for it. Yeah, so here's here's the deal. He's going to whip her 100 times with the writing crop. 100 lashes, you guys. Wrap your brain around that. You can't do it. Don't try. You can't. But if you read this chapter, you're going to be able to because she does an incredible job of making you feel all 100 lashes, but not making it boring, which I think is a feat. A stroke of goddamn masterful genius. This is honestly incredible chapter. Yeah. So he's going to do 100 lashes for 100 pumps of doing it of his dick (laughs) um she's straight up like are you going to beat me brutally tonight and he's like like, yeah Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. i am she when she arrives talks to him a little about how much she misses him when he's gone yeah she says the things you do to me i never dare dream them much less do them and yet when i'm with you There is no game I wouldn't play. Nothing of my body I wouldn't keep from you. You leave me and I go mad with waiting. You leave me and you are my every waking thought and my every sleeping dream. And I know when you were turning to me, I would count the minutes until I saw you again. (sighs) And she says, no, that's a lie. And he says, what's the truth, Mona? And she said, I would count the seconds. So she's... She really likes Malcolm. (laughs) Just goddamn chills all over my body when I read it and when I heard it. Yeah. So he strips her down Mm -hmm. and she stands in the middle of the floor. And for the first 50 or so lashes, she is standing in place and he is circling her. Yeah. And the really gorgeous thing about this scene is the juxtaposition of the incredibly painful lashes Mm -hmm. and then the sweet sweet, encouraging, comforting, lovely Mm -hmm. words that he's whispering into her ear the whole time he's telling her, you're so beautiful. I'm so lucky that you're here doing this with me. You're, You're taking this so well. You know, my strong girl, all of this 
stop. Every time he does a lash, he also does like a smooch and a caress yeah. and a, you know, a tenderness. There's a moment in the chapter where she's like, I would take basically like a thousand more lashes if I got more of those words and tender kisses. Yeah, she begins to kind of crave the lashing because yeah. she knows what's coming after it. Which, I mean... It's a beautiful psychological trip. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful here in the vacuum of this beautiful magical fantasy story. But this is also why DV victims pick fights. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Um, right? The human psychology is a a really interesting space. (laughs) I, I feel like a lot of times people don't understand why somebody who's in an abusive relationship would try to bring on the fight that causes the thing that gets them hurt. And it's because they're craving the thing that comes immediately after, which is they want the cycle to start over. Right. They want the flowers. They want the beautiful words. They want the I'm sorry. And I get that. But this is a this is in a vacuum. This is a yes. And it's one night. Mm-hmm. So by the time she gets to 50 or 52, I think, why why does he ask if she wants to stay standing or get on the ground? I can't remember. It's I just becoming remember. too much. Yeah, she eventually gets on the ground. I mean, whew, he starts whipping her in more uh, serious spots like uh, her vagine and her boobs and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically getting more painful as it goes. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of it, she's like on the ground, um, crying, but still, still wanting to be there. At mm-hmm. no point does she say I uh, enough. Mm-hmm. Then they have like slow sex. He gives mm-hmm. her, he gives her the hundred pumps. Yeah. And she has to, just as he had her count the lashes, he has her count the pumps. Yeah. So that she gets her, her hundred and she also talks about how because of the lashing, her skin is so much more alive and so much yeah. more sensitive. I mean, it's just, it's really beautifully done. And I think he massages her beforehand. He he puts oil all over her body and he soothes the welts before mm-hmm. they actually have sex. And it's one of those classic controlled release things where he's like, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have you count mm-hmm. and then you can come when you get to zero mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. oh i loved this part she was going down on him um and he says wicked girl you almost made me spill all over your face oh no she said anything but that <laughs> he says you modern girls are so hard to scandalize <laughs> i liked it yeah more breadcrumbs all right all right do you know what time it is i think it might be Minotaur time. It's Minotaur time. We're going to the labyrinth, you guys. Buckle up. Let's go. Buckle up. Okay. (laughs) Buckle the fuck up. So next month, the painting is Dora and the Minotaur. I don't know what Dora's dressed like. I don't care. We're about to fuck a Minotaur. All right. That's right. So... We open this chapter by talking about how long her welts took to heal. There's some level of like, because he's so super magical of like, did these things actually happen? Was she dreaming them? I mean, like the mm. nymph thing was very like, uh, how could this transformation happen in my back room sort of thing? Yeah. But the welts were real and stuck around. You know, a lot of times she falls asleep while he's still doing sex to her and then wakes up exactly. and everything's normal again. 
So exactly. the welts are real. So we know at least these things are really happening. They're not just in her head. And it's something that she has been able to hold on to. Right. She, she talks about the welts. Yeah. She's like, I, I, A, I love the fact that the air was turning a bit crisper because it gave me the opportunity to cover them. Mm-hmm. But I coveted these markings. Mm-hmm. Because it reminded me of what happened and Mm -hmm. what's to come. Mm -hmm. And up until this point, she's been like, he's married. He's this, he's that. I'm going to ask him if he wants more than a year, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, yeah, because she's been talking about missing him when he's away Mm -hmm. and all of that. Yeah. So she, it's lovely. Like one of the things that happened on writing crop night was that she kissed his boot buttons. And it says with Malcolm, she felt pleasure and lust, but also pain and fear, love and hate. It was the most potent of alchemies. She would have sold herself to him ever. Every night for her life for another taste of those boot buttons. Oh, <laughs> good uh, stuff. So good. Okay, so now it's Minotaur time. Yeah, she your gets saddle a painting. Of We're going Minotaur. to the Minotaur. So I don't remember so what she, she wears. Doesn't matter. Doesn't care. Nobody cares. She walks into her back room and it is straight up the labyrinth. Wait, wait, she, wait! First, first, first. Oh, oh, on her oh. desk, there's a white card with uh, a oh, bottle yeah. of wine that says "Drink Me, Alice in Wonderland" style. So she starts drinking this like pomegranate wine before he gets yeah. there. That's all. Okay. So then she goes into her back room and it's weird and cold and mossy. And yeah, it's a it's a full on labyrinth. Yeah. And yeah. she like she goes and has she has to walk around. Oh, there's and, a like, string. She's following a string. Yes. Um, and she gets like yeah. she gets a, a scent of like a large animal nearby. Um, she starts and to think she that the wine the outline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. She starts to think that she's maybe been drugged by the wine because she kind of sees the shadow of an animal. Um, she can feel like a warm sea breeze blowing around. Yeah. Um, and then she walks out into this clearing. She follows the stream into this like meadow. Mm-hmm. It's nighttime. There, are, I think there's like a bonfire or something crazy, and uh, there's like a dozen. Witches. There's mm-hmm. a coven yep. of of uh, worshiping witches, mm-hmm. ladies who are worshiping minotaurs. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and and they so they're chanting. Over, they're doing some fire chanting. chanting. Um. Let's see. It's very ominous. They lead her over this giant boulder that yeah. once again is supposed to be in the back room of an art gallery. Yeah, I was trying to figure out, I, they they bound her in some way, but they definitely lash her down to, like they tie her down to the boulder and I can't remember. There are chains. chains. Was it chains? I couldn't remember oh, if it was chains. ropes or chains or what. Nope. Um, yeah, she's pretty sure, at some point she kind of goes in and out of consciousness. She's pretty sure she's yeah. drugged up on this wine. Um, the boulder is kind of curved. So she's like yeah. very presented, uh, uh-huh. boobs and uh, tits out area wise to whatever's about to happen. She's smelling a lot of smells, and then and then this cloaked figure mm-hmm. comes out of the fucking mist. Yeah, and, and she faints again. Cloaked faint number two. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So and then she sees Minotaur Dong. Yeah. which is apparently even bigger than regular Malcolm it Dong. Had, it had a human hand though. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, a hairy human hand. Yeah, uh-huh. So well, the Minotaur with its huge, like it has a hand that's like even bigger than her head, though. It's like yeah. a human big hand. Um, Caresses her. She's pretty sure he's a man in there, but she's not. She felt feels like he's hypnotizing her. And he's like Andre the Giant sized. Yeah. Bigger. Bigger. Um, 
so then they bone. Uh-huh. He's he's fucking her brains out against this boulder. Mm-hmm. And she's into it. And then finally she gets freaked out because I think she sees underneath the hood. Yeah. And I she mean, this sees- sex scene is pretty incredible. It says even if she wasn't chained to the rock, <laughs> oh God, even if she weren't chained to the rock, the cock inside her speared her to the boulder as completely as an iron stake through her body. And later it says her sex felt like an open wound, the tissue wet and raw and pried apart. So he's clearly bigger than any human can possibly be. Yeah. And then it says she needed it to stop. She never wanted it to end. So she's pretty conflicted about whatever is going yep. on here. Um, it's like this. So it was coming. She could feel it. It was coming almost there. It was coming the final spasm of unison. It was coming the closing of the wound. It was coming the sacrifice that brought them together. It was coming. It was coming. The man had pounded into her depths. She looked up at the night sky and saw all the stars turn red. Clearly, like, mythical shit is happening here. Right. But yeah, he pulls back the hood and Mona screams. And we never really get a description of, like, why she screamed. Because the next line is Malcolm, and he's just saying, it's me, darling, it's only me. And then she's in the bed in the back room again. Right. Oh. This this read like poetry, this uh-huh. scene. This scene was incredible. Yeah. I feel like if it was written by anyone else, I would have been like real squeaked out by it. But instead, I was really into it. You mean it. the premise? Yeah, the premise of this thing is yeah, yeah, yeah. horrifying. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Super duper horrifying. Totally. But, but it's okay because you're in damn. her head and... And it's gorgeous. So she's pretty pissed at Malcolm because she thinks he drugged her. Yeah. And they have a long conversation about that. He insists that it was just wine and that she wasn't hallucinating. But she is pretty sure it wasn't she gets the contract is it the contract she rips up yep and rips it all up and throws it away and tells him to get out and never come back yeah she's really pissed Mm -hmm. and on the one hand i get that because you know hallucinogens and seeing crazy minotaur magics is really unsettling on the other hand i don't know what else carte blanche means like i don't (laughs) (laughs) right hey hbs I started an Etsy store. Did you know? Right now, it's full of all the St. Vincent items you need. Because St. Vincent is thoughtful and cozy all year round. We've got a book sleeve to keep your books, planners, e-readers, or really anything else safe when you're on the go. The inside is fuzzy, and they feel so incredibly lush in your hands. I went round and round with the manufacturers to make sure I had just the right thickness. Those feature art of St. Vincent and Evie during their carriage adventure that was painted by the amazing Mayara Faraz on one side, and then I created a St. Vincent would always wreath on the other side that has a bunch of little Easter egg items in it. There's a St. Vincent would always warm brick enamel pin. It's like, you know, if you know, you know. I designed a special edition marriage of convenience candle that is specific to Devil in Winter with the help of HB Jen at Post Pouring Company. It combines dark amber for St. Vincent and rosewood for Evie, and it smells so delicious. It's hard to even wrap my brain around. So if you want to treat yourself, or be the St. Vincent you want to see in the world by getting a care package for a friend, check out our Etsy store. The link is in the show notes. 
She has the wine tested. Uh, the wine comes back just pomegranate wine. Makes her feel a little bit guilty. She also has her blood tested. Yes. Nothing. There are no hallucinogens, no um, amphetamines, nothing to indicate that she was drugged at all. So that's really bothersome. Mm-hmm. And, and so she's A, still really angry with him, but B, second guessing herself because on the face of it, he didn't do anything wrong. So now she's thinking, well, with his millions of dollars and all the things, like maybe he can get some sort of synthetic drug that mm-hmm. w- can't be tested for. Um, she's just she's going a- around, around and around about it right. in her brain. So a few weeks later, she comes in and there's a wine bottle with all the little pieces of the contract inside it. Yeah. And she takes that message of being it could have been worse. It could have been a wine bottle. Like, just generally, it could be worse. Like, I didn't do what I could do to you. And then underneath yeah. the wine bottle is another Degas sketch, which she kind of yes. takes as maybe daring her to go back and see that Sebastian guy, which she does. Yeah, they've had a couple of run-ins that we haven't really talked about. But she goes back to Sebastian, and I think they go out to a, an art gallery of some sort. Well, they're going to go on a date, but he comes over to her art gallery, and she just answers the door naked. Oh. Okay, so they already went on the date. I don't remember the date. I thought he was going to pick her up for a date. And she was just like, bam, I'm naked. No, No, they went on a date. No, she called him over under the guise of looking at this Degas. So before that, sorry, they went on a quick date to a gallery. It was only a couple of hours. Oh, I don't remember that. He kissed her quick peck on the lips and then it was over. And then Malcolm arrived to play Minotaur games. Oh, Oh, Sorry. Also, at the beginning of this, my favorite, one of my favorite things about the first chapter I forgot to tell you about is that she says, are you going to pay me to fuck me? And he says, no, I'm paying you to fuck with you. Mm -hmm. He tells her at the outset, he's going to play games with her. He's really good at playing games. Mm -hmm. He tells her that she's going to see things that she can't believe and they're going to be real and the whole thing. So it's not like she wasn't prepared. I agree. I agree. And she pretty much regrets kicking Malcolm out. She super misses Malcolm. Yeah. So she invites Sebastian over to do some gallery yeah. stuff. One of my favorite scenes. And she, yeah, she opens the door and she's like, what's up? I'm naked. And he doesn't say a word. He just pounces, mm-hmm. you know, like you do. They start, uh, they start having sex and he comes okay so he, he comes, comes on her back then he goes down on her yep then goes down on her and then um she's like more i need more i need more can i do a quick and bing boom bong here always anytime he comes on her back yeah then immediately flips her over and goes down on her and i could not stop thinking about the sheets the whole rest of the scene really you don't flip somebody over and then it's on their back on the sheets. That's so gross. Why? I just like, it's you're like laying on it for the rest of the time. <laughs> so does that not gross you out? I mean, um, I guess they could move over. Like the bed is not small. It's on her It's not back. like a twin size bed. You can't move yeah, over but- when it's on your back. Everywhere you move, it's going to be weird and squishy. Just just lay down there for a minute so that it squishes into the mattress and then you move over two feet. Done oh, and done. Man. Whatever. I don't know. Couldn't stop thinking about it. I'm just saying, I don't know. Because here's my thing. If a guy was rude enough, mm-hmm. I have presented my naked body to him. He has immediately gone from zero to 60. Sure. Fucking me. Yeah. 
doesn't even warn me that he's going to come, comes on my back. And then he's like, okay, hold on. We have to take five minutes to sanitize the space. And then I guess I'll go down on you just, to make you it's come just too. all I could think about. He flipped her over. Just, then after that, she flips him over into the same spot. And I'm just like, oh, God, it's everywhere. Like, <laughs> move, stand up or something. Blah. I couldn't. I couldn't and I wouldn't. That's so funny. And what's ridiculous is so many more like unsettling things are about to happen. And so oh, I boy. Think about <laughs> That's really anyway, funny because okay. it did not squeak me out at all. I know. I'm sure. So then he's going down on her and she's like, more, I need more. So he puts a couple of mm-hmm. fingers in her and she's like, more, I need more. So he's like, three fingers and then four and then more. Like just the whole fist. Just give me your whole fist. Mm-hmm. And so he is tongue in her clitoris while just fisting her vagina Uh and she comes like that and so then when she's done he he is like sort of paused during this this interaction Mm -hmm. and then after she comes well i mean it's varsity level stuff i mean quite is we're we're not playing in the this is not usual first date fair i can see where he was a little bit amazed by the situation yeah but he wasn't amazed yeah well he had, he pulled back and he was fascinated disgusted. horror yeah so for a minute i thought he was more just like what but it turns out yeah. it's different than it yeah yeah so then this guy just dripping in toxic masculinity mm-hmm. i'm sure has become he a is shocked which i understand but b the underlying thing in a lot of this is like he doesn't really think that he's man enough because I think he's looking at his penis and then comparing it to his fist and being like, I'm never going to be able to please her, uh-huh. which just get over yourself. Mm-hmm. So he gets up and he starts getting dressed like to immediately bounce. And she's like, oh, I've horrified you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, no. Yeah. I just thought but you the were answer a girl. Is yes. Yeah. But it turns out you're like an animal, which is horrifying yes and then Fucking he says rude. you're a whore aren't you a whore and she's like you knew i was And he's like no i didn't i thought you had a lover and to please you he gave you gifts and she says he doesn't give me degas sketches because i fuck him i fuck him because he gives me degas sketches and this horrifies him Ugh, i love it so then she's like well you should at least look at my fucking degas mm-hmm. oh god i love this so then she takes him into she's naked he's dressed she takes him into the office pulls out the diga and he's like it's a fake and so she grabs it and goes to tear it in two and he's like ah, ha, ha, mm-hmm. i lied it's a diga it's a diga okay and then i forget what does she say to him that pisses him off so much it's that is it really oh. it says he says he's certain it's a fake and she says she pulls it up and starts to rip it and he lunges and snatches it out of her hand and she says i thought so and then laughs at him he slapped her she stared at him in shock. It had barely hurt, barely stung. He seemed as surprised by the slap as she. Mona laughed again. He reached for her and pushed her down onto the desk, onto her back. Mona spread her legs and he unzipped his trousers. And then he hate fucks her for a while. Yeah, so then he hate fucks her. They and then both she's, come, I think. Yeah, and she says again and lifts her, fi- her hips to taunt him. And he says, you disgust me. Uh-huh. And then she's like, you know what? Keep the fucking dega. Mm-hmm. You think I'm a whore. Now I'm paying you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now you're a whore. Yeah, and so then he is even more disgusted by her, but takes the sketch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he takes like it. the whore like that the he whore is. is. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I so love this So we never paragraph. see Sebastian again, thank Christ. Yeah, it says, he was the sort of man who wanted a woman to be a girl, and if she was yes. too carnal, too sexual, a woman who challenged his primacy, his lust would turn quickly to hate. And to think she'd once judged Malcolm for preferring whores over other women. Now she understood why he did. She'd rather spread her legs for the Minotaur again than the sanctimonious man-child. Ugh. Good stuff. I have that highlighted as well. It's so good. She's also been having dreams. Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. As they hate fuck on the desk, mm-hmm. a book falls yeah. off of the shelf and it opens to the painting of the bleeding man. Mm-hmm. And um, it's this man who has a chest wound and he's bleeding out and he's obviously going to die. So this, is, So she's like, Malcolm, are you talking to me? No, that is not how rich men work. Like he's just a rich man. That's mm-hmm. not how that works. Right. But then she starts having those dreams. Yeah, she starts dreaming about this painting that she saw that night. That it's Malcolm. Mm-hmm. So then she uh, she tapes up the the card that he gave her that she had ripped up before. and The contract. And he, yes. So she tapes it up and she puts it on her desk, like hoping that somehow he will see it because mm-hmm. she thinks he's watching her somehow. Mm-hmm. And she waits weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and she thinks she's never going to see him again and she's really depressed and hopeless. And then a book is opened to the painting called Roman Charity. Mm-hmm. And it is a prisoner in an old timey jail nursing off of a woman because he's like starving. Right. But that's not apparent to her, I don't think, at the beginning. Oh, yeah. She thinks that she's just like a courtesan in right. the like doing favors in the jail. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. And this painting comes on the Ides of March. I'm sure there's some symbolism there. Eh, I just wanted to say. Okay. So sure. <laughs> I'm sure All it right. does seem like there is not one bit of symbolism wasted in this book. And probably oh, no. a lot of it has gone straight over my head. So Uh-huh. Absolutely. Okay. So she goes and she puts on an old timey Renaissance looking dress. That was her and mother's. She waits that's right. And she waits till midnight and she goes into her back room, which is all of a sudden transformed into this ancient Roman prison. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is a pivotal scene. Yes. Because she goes back and she sees two guards and she's like, I'm here to visit Malcolm. Mm-hmm. And they push her up against the wall to frisk her. And one of the guards gets so frisky that he actually like starts fingering her mm-hmm. a little bit. And she's standing there going, oh, man. I like this. Like, like mm-hmm. Malcolm has trained me to be turned on by powerful men mm-hmm. who want to have their way with me. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. So she's like, I need to see Malcolm. And he's like, ah, he's not going to be alive much longer. Just FYI. Right. Leads him down to where he's in his cell and he's starving to death. Super emaciated. He's like, his hair is totally like gray white he's on the doorstep of death he asks her for food Mm -hmm. and she says she doesn't have anything because they searched her but she's engorged her breasts are engorged and she's feeling like sort of the letdown reflex that's happening and it's really confusing to her because she's never breastfed a baby and so she can't pinpoint what that sensation is Mm -hmm. and he like basically asked her to open up her bodice Mm -hmm. and uh, she opens it up, he latches on, and 
she feeds him <laughs> and it <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I'm sorry. I know how much you love breastfeeding, but it's just like it's so gross to me and it's so much grosser when it's a grown-up man and I just can't. I can't. So here's my thing. This is another scene where I was really conflicted because on the one hand, I personally, there are people that that can pair breastfeeding with erotic pleasure. I <laughs> am am not one of those oh, people. God, I have so no much. judgment. Yeah. No, I have no judgment for the people who are. Mm-hmm. But when I'm breastfeeding, I'm really just like, why don't you just skip that area if we're going to try to have sex? Mm-hmm. But I do really keenly understand then the sensation of sustaining someone else's life with the food that you're making you know what i mean uh-huh. like and that that there is no sex in this scene Ooh. that's what didn't it is there yes oh after though way yeah. after <laughs> no so here's what happens he nurses on both breasts and by the time he's done nursing and they're done chatting, he has fully transformed back into vibrant Malcolm. Mm-hmm. He started as this emaciated, like, ugh, kind of person. And then by the end of it, she has given him life again, which is a pretty powerful, amazing it's feeling. It's super powerful. Now, it just grossed me out to my core. But that's okay. I, mean, I, I that. recognize that it's beautiful. You I was also just, get grossed out, I get like, grossed by out the idea of a baby. By regular breastfeeding. Not because the boobs are out. Free the boobs or whatever. I'm no, no, just no, totally. like, well, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yes. Okay, so that's why, to me, the eroticism didn't play into the actual breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And she was like saving his life. So I was oddly fine with it. So one of the things that comes out of nowhere in the scene is just all of a fucking sudden she's like, I want to have your child. Yeah. I felt this book is so well written, but this one thing came out of fucking nowhere for me. I'm like, you want to have his child? Wait, interesting. At, it didn't for really? me. Really? Yeah, I, because. I was just like, whoa. What? I mean, I guess the breastfeeding kind of leads it into that, but I was just like. No, that wasn't why for okay. me. I mean, it, it certainly it helped, sure. Uh-huh. But she's been she's been planting for at least like five chapters now that she misses him when she's gone. Oh, yeah. She knows he has other responsibilities. Yeah. She wants a piece of him after the year. Mm, okay. She wants to carry this relationship on in some way once their end date is final. And so in her mind, the best way to do that is to have his progeny. Mm-hmm. That makes okay. sense to me. So she's like, I want to have your baby. And he's like, let's start now. No, he says, yeah. he says, you will. You will have my heir. Mm-hmm. Again, Ugh. he's super old timey. Also, he so talks magical. to her about how when she had sex with Sebastian, he felt it. It felt like he was bleeding out like the bleeding man. And yes. she says she's sorry. And he's like, no, it's not your fault. You didn't know it would hurt me like that. Oh, it's so good. And he even says, you may have my child. It's what I've wanted all along for you to have my next heir. Why, she says, a deathbed promise, he says. And so she inquires about that more. And he's like, no, you can't know that yet. So there's something mystical, magical going on. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then he's like, let's do sex now. And so they do sex then. Do they have sex in the cell? Or don't they go back to the bed? I think they start having sex in the cell, but it becomes the bed or something to that effect. Uh, Because at this point, she's like, I have tripled down on this. He is magic's. 
I don't know what kind of magics he mm-hmm. is, but I'm into it. Well, and she says of the Minotaur, she says, you scared me so much that night. Was that your true form? Oh. He said, only the form of my soul. He said, a prisoner, deformed, half animal. You're beautiful to me. She said, I'll do whatever it takes to free you. Oh. It's great. So then she goes, is this all a dream? What's the only thing that makes any sense? And he says, you aren't dreaming. And she knew that was true. She was awake and had been every time they met. But if it were a dream, would you want to wake up? He asked. A good question. A fair question. A hard question. But one she answered easily. Never. Oh! <laughs> oh, swoon. All right. Are you ready for the luncheon I on the grass? I am so ready. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. We texted about this, too, and it was excellent. You guys, I read this thing, of course, on a plane. 100% on a plane, the whole thing. Because this is a very short book as well. It's only about 200 pages, so you can get through this thing real quick. Yeah. So on two different four-hour plane rides, I stopped to watch a movie or something in between. But So imagine reading this book without being able to text Melody. (laughs) And I mean that in a very specific way. I I know all of you will read this book without being able to text Melody, but I can't... This experience was so hard for me because I just... I would pick up my phone and be like, ah, on a plane. Also, I read this. The woman next to me was so conspicuously reading over my shoulder, especially (laughs) in like the bottle scene. Like she was definitely into reading about that bottle and that minotaur for certain Get it, girl yeah and i just wanted to be like what you want to borrow the red. it yeah the, the red. red by tiffany rice. tiffany rice buy that shit and one click that shit the title of this thing is the red colon an erotic fantasy so it's not like i could even hide at all like it says it in blaze <laughs> on the top of my kindle anyway all right um okay, okay. it's luncheon time So she is so into this now. She's like, he promised me to save my gallery. He -hmm. promised me to tell me the provenance of all the sketches and paintings. And Mm -hmm. he promised me that I could have his baby. Yep. I am stoked. Yeah. So. So the next painting is the luncheon on the grass. Um, Two men fully dressed reclining on the grass. And then there's like a straight up naked lady sitting next to them. So she's like, okay. And they're talking as if she's not there. Right. And there's a few different interpretations of that. No one knows what the real one is. Malcolm does. Malcolm <laughs> can interpret the shit out of that. Oh, God. <laughs> That's what Malcolm's going to do. All right. So <laughs> I just, I'm just so worried about this because I feel like our podcast now has like a theme. I am fine with it. Uh, okay. <laughs> So she goes and she's like, all right, I'm going to get, I'm going to do this. So she opens up the door and it is the luncheon. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's the it's meadow. The and so she goes to the door, closes it, and then just starts taking off all her clothes. And she sees Malcolm with another dudesicle. <laughs> and so she goes and she lays down just like the painting. And they're talking about some, you know, random mm-hmm. homogenous. No, that's not true. Very... What's a G word that means a lot of stuff? Generous. General. It's so late here. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. So they're having this conversation, Malcolm and this guy she calls the Midnight Man because he has midnight blue eyes and brown hair. Um, And they kind of turn to her and say, don't people love relics? You own an art gallery, right? And Malcolm's like, yeah, she does own an art gallery. And he's kind of introducing her to this younger man. (laughs) And then the Midnight Man starts 
smooching on her. She's into it. Yeah. Oh, Malcolm is going down on her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While he's kissing her. Mm-hmm. Midnight Man says, you're a beautiful whore. I might just have to keep you. He's <gasps> definitely very into it. Yeah. Basically, we get just a, a beautiful little threesome scene here. Some DP. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Whoa. I do don't not want to glaze over it. Want don't to. you dare. Can we just talk about so, the child abuse and split, please? Like, no, we maybe, cannot. I would rather go nope. back and talk about that <laughs> than talk about the scene. You hold your okay. tongue, madam. All right. So... Um, Malcolm's like, you should, you know, have a full taste. And so he, uh, they start having Midnight Man and she start having penetrative sex while Malcolm's kissing up on her. And then they flip over. She's on top of Midnight Man. And then Malcolm just like, you know, does that thing where he sidles on up behind. (laughs) A reverse clownfish. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He is the clownfish on this anemone this time. And they do some DP action until everybody comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he Malcolm kind of thrusts in her in a very uh, violent way. Devil, she says, when he does that. And Malcolm chuckled fiendishly. The man with the midnight eyes put his mouth at her ear. He's terrible, isn't he? He whispered. But you want to know something? Tell me, she said. I'm worse. She saw it in his eyes and he meant it. But where was the fun in taking him at his word? Prove it, she said. Those dark blue eyes of his widened in surprise and his pupils dilated with desire. I must be dreaming, he said. Why is that, she asked. Because you're my dream girl. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. All right, so the Midnight Man is inside her and he goes, If you were for sale, I would pawn my soul to buy you, the Midnight Man said into her ear. I would buy you and keep you a naked slave chained to my bed. I would show off your cunt to every man who crossed the threshold of my house so they could see my prized possession and envy me. I would fuck beautiful women in front of you and send them home right after, still dripping with my seed, so you would know that I could have any girl I wanted, but you were the only one I wanted to keep. I would tie you to the dining room table and drink my wine out of you. I would let my dearest friends bend you over the billiard table and fuck your pussy in arse while I sat at my favorite club chair, sipping scotch and watching you writhe for my entertainment. Then later, when fucking you in the bed, you can tell me in exquisite detail how much you prefer my cock to theirs. And if you're a very, very good little girl, I would share you like this, a cock in both holes. And when you're an angel to me, I'll let you take a cock in all three. You're a magnificent whore, and I'd love to wrap you around my cock every day for the rest of your life. And she goes, the words were too much for Mona. <laughs> and she super comes. <laughs> um, okay. So then he they break apart, and the guy, the midnight man, goes out to the stream, and there's a peasant girl of some sort. They start boning on the, the shore of the stream, um malcolm and she have sex in the stream again and she's like who is that guy and he's like a dear friend he's my he's my favorite friend basically um but he won't tell her anymore Mm -hmm. and then she says again that she wants to like have his babies Mm -hmm. keep him forever yeah she knows that the year is coming up but she wants to extend it Mm -hmm. and he's like we're not going to be able to do that yeah so she wakes up and there's a letter for her from Malcolm. She's back in the regular yeah. back room and it says, Mona, my darling whore, you don't know what a gift you've given me this past year. Although I paid for it and paid for it dearly, it was well worth the price. I know now all will be as I wished it to be. 
Someone is coming for me. I owe him a debt. As you know all too well, debts must be paid. But he kept his end of the bargain, and it's my turn to keep mine. As for our bargain, I admit I didn't tell you the entire truth at our second meeting when I said you were sitting on a gold mine. You thought I referred to your body, and in a way I did. What I should have said was you were sleeping on a gold mine. Open the bed knobs, and you will see what I mean. As for who I am, you will know soon enough. All my lust, Malcolm. P.S. Do anything you must, but keep me forever. So she opens up the uh, bed knobs of the bed frame and she unrolls this beautiful oil painting that was rolled up inside. And it's a painting of Malcolm, who's a history uh, ghost. Old timey Malcolm. Um, <laughs> so it says portrait in oil, 1938, mystery man. Um, so she frames that and puts it in a prominent place in her gallery, which is now super duper famous because of all of the uh painting i think she finds a couple other paintings in there that are There's, valuable. yeah there are some really incredibly valuable <laughs> um paintings. so now she's like super duper gallery painting queen you know why i think i thought it was in new york was they keep referring to the times i think is the reason why i thought that but i think it's nondescript anyway um so yeah three months later she's hanging out at the gallery she's got an employee mm-hmm yeah, she, <laughs> she can afford one of those now <laughs> she's, got, she's got her one employee that's right. And a new mystery man walks in. Oh, boy. He's super duper handsome. And Gabrielle, the new employee, is like, sup, handsome guy. Uh, you might want to like, she tugs out her bra a little bit. It's like, you should show yeah. some bra and get out there. She unbuttons some yeah. buttons. Mm -hmm. And he has the most beautiful midnight blue eyes. Midnight blue eyes. And brown hair, strong nose, strong chin, strong jaw, more handsome than any man had the right to be. He looked familiar to her, but she couldn't quite place him. So earlier on, Malcolm talked about his favorite of his heirs. Mm -hmm. He says sons, but then he sort of says he backtracks and says heirs. He says that everybody else was really, really boring. But there's this one guy in his family mm -hmm. who is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh okay so he's out in the gallery and he's like hey mona st james how much for that painting of the man from 1938 and she's like oh that's the only one in the gallery that is not for sale because malcolm said do anything you want to do but keep but me keep forever me. so that's the that's promise right. and he's like well that's not a mystery man his name is malcolm arthur augustus fitzroy the 13th earl of godwick and I am Spencer Arthur Malcolm Fitzroy, and I'm the 15th Earl of Godwick, and that is my grandfather, and I deserve to have that painting. And she's like, well, it's a gift. It's my painting. It's mine. It's not yours. And then he's like, where'd you, where'd you get that shit? Mm -hmm. And she's like, I got it in a bed yeah. that my mom bought. So it's my painting because my mom bought the bed. And then Spencer tells her this whole whole crazy tawdry amazing story mm -hmm. malcolm was a real man about town last of the great english rakes that's the one mm -hmm. he loved him some brothels he loved putting on little theatrical plays in brothels for the rest of the guests mm -hmm. probably very similar to nymphs and a satyr mm -hmm. and he fell in love with this one beautiful wonderful whore named mona mm -hmm. he relented and finally married a woman and knocked her up and then, like, the next day, went off and married. Yeah, he took Mona to Scotland, or at least he ran away with her. Yeah. So then Mona's dad gets super pissed off and follows them. There is a big altercation where mm -hmm. he's like, you've wronged my daughter. And Malcolm's like, every day of the week, what mm -hmm. are you going to do about it? Yeah. 
And he says, I'm going to shoot you in the chest. And he does. And he does that. And so in Mona's arms, he's taking his dying breath. And he's like, I wouldn't want to be anywhere but here. And he says, if I must sell my soul to the devil to do it, I will find a way back into Mona's bed. A whore will reign as the Countess of Godwick. You'll see. And then he died. Also, when he's telling the story, he says he married a woman and knocked her up and the next day left her for Mona. Quote, an earl's wife is a countess. My rather foul-mouthed grandfather called Mona his, and she interrupts and says, his countess? <laughs> and he goes, exactly. How did you know? And she says, an educated guess. Go on. <laughs> Love it. But he's like, this is my painting. I'm the rightful owner of this painting. He's my grandfather. And she's like, no, I, I had the property in my basically legally she's the owner of this painting yeah because mona mona had these paintings from him they were mm -hmm. gifts from him mm -hmm. she absconded with them to america in her bed posts died the bed was right. sold blah 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 she makes a great point the painting was in the bed and therefore the painting is mine and always will be no court of law in america or the uk would disagree and you know it she said otherwise you wouldn't have asked me how much i was willing to sell it for yeah Boom. <laughs> and then she says i go where the painting goes right. period that I will never, ever part with it. We are inextricably linked. And so he's like, he just sort of looks at her for a minute. And he's like, mm. all right, then. And tosses her over his shoulder, grabs the painting off the wall, and goes to his waiting black car mm -hmm. outside. They do talk a little bit about how he's like, you know, there was, I did have this dream about a girl that looked like you. Yes, and she's with like, cherry red hair. Yeah. Because, oh, I forgot, she has cherry apple red hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he says, they're only dreams. And she said, not only, Mona said, not only dreams. And he says, don't say such things. But they, they both yeah. get it. And then, so they're in the black car. And she's like, what the fuck are you actually doing? Yeah, you Let can't me get kidnap back to my me. Gallery. Yeah. And he goes, you said that you go where the painting goes. You're going to make an excellent countess of blah 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 We're getting married. Do you prefer America or Scotland? And... At first, she's like, no, 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 no. I am. This could not happen. I am an independent lady. Yeah. I'm doing things. I have a gallery. Uh -huh. Blah, 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 blah. I just recently he, learned how to fit a whole fist in my vagina. I'm not getting married, yeah. you know? Right? Yeah. Uh. But then he starts doing sex stuff to her. <laughs> yeah. And so he kisses her. And then he starts fingering her. And she's like, man, as soon as his lips touched mine, mm -hmm. I knew I yeah. was a total He's goner. He's like, you're not going anywhere. The things I'm going to do to you. And she's like, what are you going to do to me? And then he gives her that <gasps> whole speech that Melody just read from the dream about tying yeah! her up and drinking the wine from her and having all his friends do her. Dream speech, billiard table. Yeah. And then she, she comes again, just like she did in the dream. And slowly she opened her eyes and she looked at him blinking and spent Scotland. She said, let's get married in Scotland. <laughs> there you go. That's the end there. Ah. Um, but here's what the thing, guys. Ride. What a great ending. Yeah. But it's just a little bit stuck in your head how they had, you know, grandfather, grandson, DP you know sex what? with her. It's just grandpa being grandpa. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's when i texted melody you guys she, we're like going back and forth we're like is this like a theme of our podcast now where it's like incest double penetration scenes and i'm like grandpa's being grandpa's that's right it didn't bother me i feel like it should but it no. didn't because so many people have been like wait till you get to that ending but i super love this ending yeah me too it's great also is it incest if one of them is dead 
I mean, you know what I'm saying. Here's the thing, Melody. <laughs> All right. You're having trouble. Here, here's necrophilia or incest. Here's which one? Here's what's going on. Go ahead. You're having a dream, okay? Yeah. I can't be responsible for what happens sure. in my dream. You're in a you're in a dream. There's a hot, sexy guy in the dream. You're like, Yeah, I'm gonna get with this hot, sexy guy. Then your All grandmother the walks up and is like My grandmother was hot. Sure, great. That even more like the story. Yeah. Your grandmother walks up and says, can I get in on this too at the same time in a way that our bits are going to touch? Do you go for it? You know, I feel like Nana has a lot to teach me. (laughs) Wow. Wow. You heard it here, HBs. Wow. You know what? Here's the thing. That's only like an early morning dream. You know those early, (laughs) early morning dreams where they're like so fucked up because you're you're not even like in deep, deep REM. Uh It's like your subconscious can really, really, really fuck with you. Uh I've had some of my worst, most traumatic dreams in like that three to 5 a.m. time period. Oh, yeah, for sure. That is what that dream would be. That's a 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. You think about it for four days and you are wondering if you're okay in the cabeza. I kind of just wish that they would have took turns with her instead of been in her at the same time. That's all. That's all I want. Well, I mean, sure, to each his own. The other thing is... (laughs) <laughs> I think it's a little bit easier to think about because Spencer never knew Malcolm. Right, sure. He was long, long dead. Like, it would be more awkward for me because, you know, Nana was a, a prominent figure in my childhood. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. All so, right. sorry, Nana. I, it's a hypothetical situation. Please don't haunt me. Love you. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Great book. Love this shit. 10 out of 10. Would read again. Loved it. Loved it. I'm going to read the poetic Minotaur scene again. Yeah, I mean, there, like there's now. so much in there. I, I feel like when I went back and read parts, I got more symbolism, more thing. You're going to. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Thank you, Tiffany Rice. Thank you. Thanks again. You never fail. You don't. Do you have a lady love? All right, Aaron. Do you have a lady love? Oof. Do I have a lady yeah. love? I have lady love. All right. I have one. Okay. I actually could. I could. I could t- shout out four right now. It's been. It's been a wonderful week. All right. First one is. This actually was a brainchild after an email I got from Lauren C. Because we were going back and forth. She was like, I'm suggesting this book, but I really want to suggest Firelight by Kristen Callahan, but you've already done it. That was like her foray into romance. She was a strictly paranormal fiction, Mm -hmm. like sci-fi fiction reader. And then she picked up Firelight because there was a paranormal looking lady on the cover and hasn't looked back like she loves romance now she's actually i think becoming a romance author which is really exciting but i was like i hope that you emailed Kristen callahan to tell mm-hmm. her that she was your mm-hmm. seminal novel right. like she was your introduction to the genre she was like actually i did and that is my lady love my lady love is no matter what mood you're in if you're feeling down It definitely helps to reach out to people and tell them how amazing they are. Like, you know, putting good out into the world Mm -hmm. can definitely help you feel good about yourself. So if you have a moment, email an author who's important to you and tell them what about their work amazes you. Tell them how it's impacted you as a person or as a writer or as a mother or as a, you know, Mm -hmm. anything really. And... uh, Spread the love around. 
That's my lady love. Even just tweet. Even a tweet. Yeah. Can help lift up an author's day, I think. Hell yeah. There was some discussion about it on Twitter a couple months ago. Like there was somebody that was like, I never want to tweet at authors because I feel like I'm, you know, bothering them. And I forget what author it was, but it was like, uh, never does it displease me to see a tweet that says you love my book, you know, keeps people going. Not at all. Do you have Lady Love? So I watched, yeah, I watched that All the Boys I've Loved Before movie. <laughs> All the boys it was so I've good. Loved before. And then I was just like, what are other little teen fallen in love movies I could watch? So on the plane back, I watched that Love Simon movie. Gosh, that's a little oh. delicious nugget of love. I haven't seen that yet. It is just sunshine and rainbows, and it is like, you know, it's not. It's not going to change the, it's not an, you know, provocative take on the whatever, whatever, but it's, you know what I mean? It's just ice cream. It doesn't cream. have to be. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah. It was just a wonderful little, perfect little nugget. And so is the, the, to all the boys I've loved before. So great. Man, I've already watched that twice. I plan to watch it probably five more oh, times. Doesn't it make you so happy? And oh, there's yeah. a crossover actor. The guy that plays the sister's boyfriend in To All the Boys I've Loved Before is mm-hmm. also in the Love, Simon movie. Fun. He's a cute little nugget, too. Everything's nuggets. Very fun. Delicious little nuggets. You know, another book that I... Nope. Another movie that I really like and is, I think, currently on Netflix mm-hmm. um, is First Time. What's that? It is Britt Robertson and a guy a lot of people probably know, but I'm never going to know his name. <laughs> And it's all about these two teenagers, like juniors in high school, I think, and junior, junior and senior in high school. They meet in an alleyway outside of a party as he's rehearsing this speech, this like love speech to give to his gal pal BFF. Mm-hmm. They spend the rest of the weekend together and like the rest is history. There's a really cool sort of perfect take on the awkward that can be a first sexual experience mm-hmm. and like the ways that people react to it. Like it's just lovely. Aww. And Britt Robertson is always wonderful. I'll watch so, that. Yeah. All right. First time. Cool. Yeah. So those are some lady loves. Yeah. And then you can find us places. Yeah. You can find us on Facebook at Heaving Bosoms Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Heaving underscore Bosoms. You can find us on Instagram at Heaving Bosoms and Gmail heaving bosoms podcast at gmail.com and then if you're feeling really spicy if you're feeling like (laughs) you can add some really amazing things to a group or if you feel like you just need some amazing in your life Uh you should send us a request to be in the heaving bosoms podcast geriatric friendship cult it's because they're planning meetups in there you guys they're planning meetups oh my god i'm so jealous they um they started a whole thread about embarrassing professional moments Uh after last week's episode it's great it is just the best place on facebook in my if you're looking for book recommendations if you're looking for haircut recommendations or which wedding dress to pick go ahead and join the heaving bosoms geriatric friendship cult you can vote on which wedding dress i should pick that's right yeah, it's great. If you just want an an endless supply of bear memes and mm-hmm. amazing gifts, 
That is the place you should be. And if you give us a five-star review on iTunes, we will do whatever book you tell us to do. Probably not immediately, but eventually we will do it. And just so you guys know, our friend Tanya put up on the cult this week, hey, review them more, which is very nice of you, Tanya. Thank you. Um, But a lot of people are like, well, I listen on Stitcher. And that's fine. You can review us there, too. You can review us on Stitcher. Or if you want to just head over to iTunes and give a review, or if you've already given a review on iTunes, but you didn't recommend a book, you can email us later and say, hey, I gave you a five-star review. Here's a book I want you to do. I mean, it's it's not a very um, regimented system, so <laughs> send us a Facebook message, send us an email, we'll, we'll do your book. Yeah, totally. And if you want us to come into your earballs automatically every week, no matter what, just hit subscribe on whatever podcatcher you listen on. Yes. That's all you got to do. A little <laughs> bit of subscribing. And then we are here for you all the time. All right. Okay. Oof. I think that everybody should... Keep being a badass. And? Love yourself as much as you love... Giant Minotaur cocks. Well, that's what I was going to say. Minotaur dong. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be, gotta be, right? Love yourself as yeah. much as you love getting chained to a boulder oh. and just getting pounded by a minotaur. Dong. That's what it's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Otherworldly size <laughs> minotaur dong. Yes. So love yourself that much. Yeah. Everybody. And we love you. All right. Bye, Mel. Bye. Get some sleep. You too. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes, we are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas. Okay, back to the show.